Okay, now the two of you shush. Here we are. From it's now lady time. on. It's lady time, bitches. That was dumb. That was really dumb, but let's I was, not. I was super into it. Thank you, but I'm not. Let's cut it. Oh God, get it out. You don't get to decide. You act like <laughs> you're a decision maker for the. Are you our producer? <laughs> oh my God, producers leave the room. Oh shit, I'm... you're not a producer. <laughs> He's not a producer. What? So that's his first decision as producer. <laughs> the cra- to make Chester a producer. Are you a good witch or a bad bitch? Bad bitch, bad bitch. I've been a rebel all my life. We will not remain hidden figures. We have names. Oh, if it's naughty to ruse your lips, take your shoulders, take your hips, and let a lady confess I want to be there. I didn't kid you, did I? Well, now you know. Okay. Anyway, welcome to your weekly episode of Good Witches, Bad Bitches. This is a podcast that I, myself, Deanna, host along with my good friend, Hannah. Yay. <laughs> I never know when you're going to make me introduce myself. I know. Or, I, yeah. It's the same is true in opposite. <laughs> yes. um, but uh, this is a weekly podcast where we talk about ladies or feminine inclined folks throughout history, modern day ladies, just cool ladies that we are feeling inspired by for the week that we want to tell you all about. Yeah. Is that good? I think that's, that's great. pretty succinct. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so last week we talked about um, Georgia Gilmore, but we also and talked about. Huh? I got hungry. Yeah, we got hungry. Um, but we also talked about um, p- dick trees, to put it bluntly, from the Malleus Maleficarum, yep. which is the, the witch hunting book that they used to use in the 16-ish hundreds to f- find and hunt witches. And all of you pervs wanted to see the picture of the dick tree. You loved the dick tree. Um, it's on I, our Instagram <laughs> if you missed it. Yes, it is. <laughs> I don't have any more Malleus Maleficarum anecdotes but i did find an article that the headline just made me laugh and i thought i would read it and see what it's about Mm. so the headline is uh it's from patheos.com which i've never visited this website so i don't know what it's about but the headline is conservative christians claim ocasio cortez is a witch leading attack against trump you left out 24 7 She's leading a witch coven (laughs) that are working 24 hours a day, seven days a week to put spells on Donald Trump, which how do I join? I better fix this headline for them. I'll just email them real quick. Well, there's I think it's on another website. Yeah. And also hilarious that we're literally back in the 1600s where that's where they have to go to be like, this is why he can't get anything done. It's witches. Well, this is literally witches. And it's like, are you serious? This is why the headline appealed to me because I was like, holy shit. So the the article starts, she scares them. (laughs) (laughs) Appropriate. Conservative Christians claim Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is a witch guided by demons and leading an attack against President Donald Trump. Sure. Frightened by a smart, articulate, attractive young woman, conservative Christians panic. Uh, Worried that representative... (laughs) (laughs) Worried that she is really a witch... God, they said that twice. Is really a witch leading a demonic attack against President Trump. Earlier this month, Dave Kubel, 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 president of the religious right group Intercessors for America. Wait, what's that word? The religious right group Intercessors, Intercessors. What the fuck is an intercessor? I-N-T-E-R-C-E-S-S-O-R. 
That's what I thought it would yeah. be spelled like. What Weird. the fuck is that? Can I'm going to Google it. Intercessors for America. Yeah, you Google that. I'll keep reading. Um, explained how Representative Ocasio-Cortez is connected to a, quote, coven of witches that cast spells on President Trump 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There you go. Immediately after interviewing oh, conservative... intercessor. A person who intervenes on behalf of another ethically by prayer. So oh, gross. God. It's Which is what worse. they think witches are. Wow. Because it's their version. It's demon prayer. Oh, God. That just gave me gave me a gross shiver. Um, Immediately after interviewing conservative Christian Congressman Jody Heiss of Georgia during his monthly, quote, prayer call, Kubel told his followers, it's been widely publicized that there is a coven of witches that cast spells on President Trump 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This particular coven is found in the southern portion of New York City. So, right... (laughs) Wait, the southern portion of New York City in particular? That's what he says, because he's an idiot. That's not even where she is. That's not where her district is. It gets, I mean, he keeps going. So right in the middle of all of this, the quote, southern district, in the middle of where these witches are doing the 24-7 spell casting, we find the territory of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, Kubel added, nope. her district is in the center of all of this going on. Is this a coincidence? Maybe. Is there an evil thread running through this area trying to dispel diabolical power? <laughs> and the desired answer to the absurd rhetorical question is obvious. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is supposedly a witch leading a diabolical attack mm-hmm. against President Trump. Have we made no progress? <laughs> Um, Smart, articulate women are witches! The fact that gullible conservative Christians believe the notion that Ocasio-Cortez is a witch should not be surprising. Even even before Ocasio-Cortez was elected to office in 2018, conservative Christians were claiming that feminists were actually witches placing powerful hexes on Trump. They also legitimately believe that Donald Trump is ordained by God. I mean, yes, exactly. And we're not talking about all Christians, obviously. No, it's these nutbags who think that she's a witch. Yeah, it's like (laughs) a very small, specific group of people. Um, Oh, shoot, where was I? These nutsacks over here. (laughs) Sorry. I mean, it kind of just goes on to keep saying the same thing that it's saying. But I'll just, I'll read it. Yeah. I'll read a couple more paragraphs. Indeed, always superstitious and gullible, many fearful conservative Christians have expressed fears that feminists are using black magic to sabotage the Trump administration. I mean. (laughs) Last year, Breitbart reported on the rise of feminist witchcraft. (laughs) When they said... Hannah, we do have the word witch in the name of our feminist podcast. Maybe they're right. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, they they said following President Trump's inauguration, witches, covens and even A-list celebrities, which I love that that fucking line, started to hex the president with frequent spells. Thank I you, wish Breitbart. I wish that we could cast evil spells on that man. Oh, my God. Well, um, if you remember, so there's a there's a shop in in Bushwick in Brooklyn um, called Catland that did host like a hex night like the whole point of it was to you know get a bunch of people together to to cast a hex on donald trump and there are lots of wiccans like actual wiccans yeah. who perf- who are performing witchcraft um who don't believe in any of that and think that what happened at catland was absurd like that's sure. that's not representative of, uh, representative of everyone who practices witchcraft 
in no. in New York, obviously. But also, that's not how witchcraft works. It's not Literally how witchcraft works. One of the works. tenets of Wiccan like uh, pedagogy uh-huh. is about not harming others. <laughs> yes, it's so fucking funny. But I just like thought- if anything, Wiccans are doing spells to try and prevent Donald Trump from harming people. Well, that would be which is yeah. what they would be believing that they're doing, which yeah. is. Why would you be fu- like, who gives a shit if they're trying to keep him from hurting people? Well, if you don't believe Donald Trump is harmful, if you think he's, you know, ordained by God, then, you know. Like, it's just insane to me. Like, I, I watched this one video one time of this, like, group of evangelical Christian white women in the South who were saying that just like how they didn't give a shit about any of Donald Trump's past behavior or his current behavior because God wanted him to be president and that's why he's president. And then you ask them and you're like, well, what about Barack Obama? Right. He's an aberration. And and they're like, no, that's the devil. And it's Uh like, how do you know? What is your criteria? Whiteness? Maybe? Ish? That's some of it. I think it all fucking hinges on being pro-choice or pro-life, frankly. I think you're absolutely right. There is, um, oh, I think it was The Daily. Do you listen to The Daily at all? Mm-mm. It's the one that Washington Post puts out every day. And, and sometimes they're not totally spot on. Okay. Like, I mean, Washington Post is hyper biased. Like, yeah. With views I agree on. But yeah, they're yeah. Very, very liberal media. Well, and, and they can be very white about their shit sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, they did one that was like, how did we not see Donald Trump coming? And all of the people of color who listened to the podcast were like, uh, speak for yourself. Like, we've seen <laughs> this, this shit coming. Day. Yeah. And so, you know, they do some things that are kind of off the mark sometimes. Um, but they did they had an episode where a woman who grew up very conservative um, and then kind of got out of that and became progressive for her own reasons called called her dad and they had the phone call between her and her dad um, recorded and they put it on this podcast and it was all about the differences between them the ideological differences and her Whoa. dad said the same thing like you know Trump was ordained by God and they did talk about the pro choice thing um but then they also went into either in this episode or a different one where that became the hinge point for Republicans and how that really wasn't a thing until the 90s when yeah. you know we um Republicans were really f- scared that they weren't going to get reelected and so, so they courted the religious right yes yep. and and it's so fascinating to just and now it's you know, completely dominated the party completely in a way that i don't think they really intended or wanted no i'm they sure just wanted more votes yeah it's frankly interesting. sometimes to be more cynical about it it's the way that some democrats court like voters of color mm-hmm. like that's certainly not every democrat and it's certainly not every republican either vote like with the religious right but it's like you you take advantage of a certain uh demographic for their votes yep because it it will fit nicely into your party although i do genuinely believe frequently and it's sad that because of the religious right the the republican party has not really become a safe space for people of color or, you know, yeah, or or, you know, uh, different sexualities or um, gender oh, identities. Yeah. You combine what is it? Was it Nixon's Southern strategy uh-huh. plus Newt Gingrich's religious right strategy? And it's then... all Newt Gingrich for fuck's sake. My yeah. mom like sent me this whole article about and Newt Gingrich is a 
fucking monster. Like he genuinely, <laughs> yes. he's living for the chaos. Yeah. He thinks that this is exact because he thinks it's, it's human nature because you, he's like, look at the animal kingdom. This is what they do. And it's like, oh God, which at, on the one hand, you're like, that kind of makes sense Ugh. where you're like, humans are just like the rest of the animals on the planet which is true but then you add religion into it and then it becomes weird yeah that because is not aren't, a isn't thing the that... whole point that we're god's like special creation <laughs> i don't know i don't know i know i don't understand the hypocrite and they think that i'm a hypocrite so right oh yeah because gosh. i'm pro-choice and 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 <laughs> yeah. then somehow i'm also vegan and they're like i think you care about dogs and cats more than you care about babies and it's like no that no uh it is all very complicated <laughs> how do you not get sure yes i care about dogs and cats more than babies you know what's not complicated uh. alexandria ocasio cortez is a witch Boom. done black and white solid yep that's just a fact it's a fact <laughs> <laughs> listen to episode whatever what episode is it that's about her? It's like... Uh, oh, yeah. I do not remember. But we did do an episode about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez before, before she, she got was elected. Yeah. elected. Because we were so impressed with her whole campaign and her yep. message and how... It was really cool to see somebody who was 28 who was a bartender. Yep. I mean, she was so much more than that. But that's how she was making her money at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a good witch? Or a bad bitch? Let us know by becoming a patron on, on our, our Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> oh, no. Patreon is a service that helps content creators like ourselves keep the ship going and make sure that we're able to cover all the costs that uh, come along with doing our podcast. And the more patrons we get, hopefully the more content we can start creating exclusively oh, yeah. for patrons. Yes. So if you are interested in something like that, please become a patron so that we can start creating that content for you. Also, when you become a patron, you will get a shout out on our podcast and we will thank you personally on air. How exciting is that? Very exciting. Yeah, yeah. You can find us at patreon.com slash podcast. Hey guys, guess who has some new patrons? Us! <gasps> is it us? Yes, yeah, so it's your favorite podcast about women. <laughs> Which right. is us. And uh, that rounds us out to 10 patrons at this point, which means those of you who are contributing, look out for some news about pins because we are going to start getting the ball rolling on those now that we've got our 10. So, yes. And now anyone who, well, I shouldn't say this, anyone who signs up now, will they get pins? No. No, the pins will be for sale in the store. And... From now on, the pins will be for sale in our store. So if you missed out on getting one for being a patron, you can buy them online. But also just be our patron. <laughs> also just do it because you love us. Um, so we got we have some people to shout out this week. Yes, we have two new Good Witch patrons. I would like to give a shout out to Emily L. Yay! Yay! And Good Witch Raul M. Woohoo! Thank you! Thank you, Emily and Raul. Fuck yeah. Much appreciated. And we've got one new bad bitch, and her name is Josie M. Fuck yeah, Josie. Thank you, Josie. You we are the baddest bitch. all of you. You are the best patrons that have ever been patrons to any podcast ever, and that is not an exaggeration. Nope. Not one at all. Nope. Thank you very much, guys. We love you all. We love you. 
Tell me about some, tell me about, uh, I always say some ladies, which is not correct. Tell me about a lady. Well, sometimes. Mostly there, for me, though. No, but there's been a, no. There's been a couple, Wait. a few times where we've talked about multiple women. I'm trying to think of the last one that you did that was Lost two. Mariposas. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, But fine. today it is one. Okay, good. <laughs> Tell me about a lady. Um, so I believe I'm closing out Black History Month mm-hmm. this week. Yep. And uh, So which day is it? It is the 27th. Okay. Yep. Of February. But I just want to mention that um, this is a week where it's it's really really cribbed um because i have been having days that are 15 hours long yeah and i've had zero time but i found a really wonderful article about a really cool lady and i don't know who the author is because it wasn't listed but um yeah it's weird it's it's from a blog but there was no author listed but it was really well written and include i I was cribbing things together from a bunch of different sources and i added them in if i felt like it was missing but this one article had most of the information in a really succinct way all this to say we're going to talk today about mary eliza mahoney okay that name is familiar but maybe it might be considering some of the people you've done in the past okay Maybe. All right. Maybe. Let's see. Um, so my source is, my main source is ceufast.com, which is like a nursing blog. Whoa. Okay. Wikipedia, blackpast.org, and womenshistory.org. All right. All right. You ready for this? Yes. I'm going to open with a quote. This has been my new thing lately. I like it. Do it. Work more and better the coming year than the previous year. Okay. Such was the motto of Mary Eliza Mahoney. Today, Mahoney isn't a household name like Florence Nightingale, the mother of modern nursing, or Mary Breckenridge, who pioneered the concept of family medical centers and healthcare in rural areas. Two women we should probably do on this podcast. Yeah. But she deserves the same recognition for her pioneering work in the profession of nursing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ooh. We've never done I just done got goosebumps. A... <laughs> well, we've never done like a... Like a nursing slash like medical professional, have we? Maybe. Well, we've I mean, done some scientists. Gisella but... Pearl. Oh, oh, well, that's true. But she was a doctor. That's true. But we haven't really done a nurse focused. I'm okay. I'm here for this. Let's yes. let's do it. So, not only was Eliza or Mary Eliza Mahoney the first professionally trained black nurse in the United States, Damn. male or female. But she was also an early member and first chaplain of the National Association of Colored Graduate Nurses, NACGN. Okay. At the age of 76, Mahoney became one of the first women to register to vote in Boston. Huh. God damn. Yeah. Throughout her life, she dedicated herself to serving others. Classic female badassery. Yep. Um, She was born. It's interesting. There were like two articles I found that said the exact day she was born and then others were like we don't know the exact day so it's weird but (laughs) she might have been born on may 7th okay 1845 to charles and mary jane steward mahoney her parents were both former slaves from north carolina who moved north for a better life shortly after they were married which is cool that they they managed to leave yeah former slaves and, and moved up to boston Good for them. Okay. Uh, Many freed black people from the South moved north to get away from the rampant discrimination in that part of the country. (sighs) Duh. (laughs) And a number of them settled in the Boston area, which, of course, it's not even it was only marginally better, I feel, in the north. Like discrimination still rampant. But at least they were like, well, we're not going to enslave you. 
Maybe. We'll pay you a, a little. Yeah. But still way less than we pay your white counterpart. Anyway. <clears throat> it was in the neighborhood of Dorchester. That shout out to anybody listening in Boston. That Mahoney <laughs> came into the world, followed by two siblings, a brother, Frank, and a sister, Ellen. So she's the oldest of three. All right. All right. When she was about 10 years old, the Phillips Street School in Boston integrated. So that's 1855. That's so early to have an integrated school. I feel. Well, I didn't even know that that was a thing before. Before the Civil War was over? Yeah. Yeah. Me God. Okay. Um, It was one of the first schools in Boston to integrate. All right. She was able to attend school there. Fuck yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Before the state state legislature abolished segregated schools. Wow, that's crazy. Massachusetts. I didn't even know that they I know. were so ahead of the curve on this. Good for you, Massachusetts. Um, I'm, I, these are my notes, and I'm surprised by them. Uh, <laughs> it's been a week. It's been a week. It's been a hellish week. Um, so before the state legislature abolished segregated schools, black children in her neighborhood attended school at the African Meeting House. <laughs> what it was called. Okay. Which, that sounds weird. Jesus. Um, though many African Americans had moved into the area, there was still a small part of the population when she was growing up. So, like, the black community in Boston had about 2,000 people in 1850 compared to uh, half a million white people. Oh, God. So 2,000 people versus 501,000 people. Jesus. Yeah. Even though they didn't face the level of hardship that they may have encountered in the Deep South, obviously they were still a small minority and dealt with a lot of discrimination and prejudice. Yes. As if that needed to be said, but... I'm going to say it. Yeah. Uh, Her interest in nursing began when she was a teenager. So she started working in healthcare when she was 20. Uh, She was employed as an untrained practical nurse and supplemented her income (laughs) by taking on janitorial work and other duties at the New England Hospital for Women and Children. She continued on that path for more than a decade, working simultaneously. I just said that British. Why do I do that? (laughs) I, I, that's like the third time I've said a, a word British, Britishly. <laughs> Working simultaneously as a cook, washerwoman, unofficial yeah. nurse's aide, and janitor at the facility. So she was doing like four jobs because she really wanted to like get her foot in the door there. Oh my God. Because she wanted to be a nurse and obviously she had a really hard hill to climb. This makes me think of Bessie Coleman a little bit who had to like, you know, open up a beauty shop and yep. cut hair and do nails uh-huh. and stuff in order to uh-huh. afford her own plane. Yep. Uh, quote, God. Mary went to the hospital to work, said family friend Miss Holly. She cooked, washed, and scrubbed, and she got in. A wow. woman doctor wanted her there and was the only, and that was the only influence she had. So I think it's interesting that it Ooh. was, yeah, a female doctor. Yeah. Who was like, you, I want to help you. Empowered women helping empower women. But also I want you to help me uh-huh. at some point, I yes. assume. Yeah. Like, what else would you... I mean, that's what nurses do. Nurses and doctors work in conjunction with one another. I feel like there must have been a lot of benefits for a woman doctor to have a woman nurse in her hospital. Yeah. Crazy. Yep. It's amazing to me that that's, like, something we even have to talk about. (laughs) And yet... I mean, in the 1800s. This is before 1900. I know. I was even shocked that it said a woman doctor. I know. (laughs) Frankly. White woman. Uh, presumably yeah I, I mean yeah the massachusetts state legislature incorporated the hospital in 1862 for several reasons its purposes included providing women medical assistance from competent female physicians this it reminds me a little bit of agna Dicey and how 
they were like, we just want a female doctor. Yeah. Like, that's all we want. Um, and men were so scandalized by that. Yeah. But apparently Massachusetts was on board. That's good. Uh, assisting and educating women in the practical study of medicine. Wow. Training nurses and proving that women could be capable surgeons and doctors. Wow. I feel like there's a Lifetime movie in here somewhere. Right? The nursing program at the New England Hospital for Women and Children was the first of its kind and had a progressive, feminist, non-discriminatory philosophy. Whoa! In 1862! All right. I feel like they must have regressed. (laughs) (laughs) They they were progressive then and then. But anyway, um, so uh, 16 years after it was incorporated. So that would be 1878. Wow. Okay. Nice. uh, The hospital admitted a now 33-year-old Mahoney. 33, which again... I love telling stories about women who figure, like, can get to do what they finally want to do. Like, she figured it out. But, like, can get to do what they want to do yeah. later in life. Especially like, back then. Like, like, to prove that, like, you don't have to be 18 to, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. So and she, she thir- up to this point, she'd been doing janitorial work and janitorial, stuff. Janitorial, cook, washerwoman, yeah. and assisting doctors, but okay. not in any official capacity because she wasn't a licensed nurse. All right. Um... She was the first black woman to study there or at any American nursing school. So first, I think, black person at a nursing school. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, to its nursing program. And by that time, other nursing programs existed. None of them accepted black women. Of course. Duh. Over the next 16 months, she and other students, there were 42 at the beginning, attended hours of lectures and cared for patients. Nurses who enrolled in the program got a small allowance, $1 per week for the first six months, $2 per week in the second six months, and then $3 per week after that. They worked in surgical, maternity, and medical wards, working 16-hour days, seven days a week. Uh. For the last four months of the rigorous program, the school sent students out to work as private duty nurses, but the intense workload proved too much for many of the student nurses. I would have dropped out. 16 hour days, seven days a week? No, thank you. That's. Uh, you have. No. Uh, no. Uh-uh. By the end, Mahoney was only one of four who completed the program. Oh my there were 42 God. students at the start, only four of them graduated. Jesus Christ. So in 1879, she earned her nursing certification, making her the first professionally trained black nurse in American history. Woohoo! Boom. During her decades long career, she dedicated herself to hard work and caring for her patients, like nurses do. Nurses, I, I swear to God, my my viewpoint is that nurses work harder than doctors. Like they work, doctors work hard to get through school, to get through med school, but like nurses have their feet on the ground. Nurses get more um, like bedside time with patients. Anyway, nurses work their fucking ass off. Yes, <laughs> they yes. they they have more and get like, half the recognition. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and like a quarter of the pay. I'm sure. Yes, so. After graduation, she registered with the nurse's directory at the Massachusetts Medical Library and began work as a private duty nurse. I learned this, and it probably says it later in my notes. She couldn't get work in public hospitals because public hospitals wouldn't hire a black nurse. Oh, my fucking God. So she spent most of her career having to work as a private nurse because hospitals wouldn't hire her, even though she was certified. This makes me want to rage. Um, yeah, right? Um, she started in the profession charging $1.50 a day, $8 a week. And was the only black person listed in the directory. By 1892, God. she increased her fees to 250 a day and $15 a week. 
All right. Do we know how much that translated to? No. So it was like $5,000. Oh, it was eighteen ninety two when she was making 15 bucks a week? Um, To be a nurse. <laughs> she likely chose uh-huh. heavy quotation marks. <laughs> Private nursing over public nursing. Because rampant discrimination against black people, even in a city that had long integrated schools and attracted free uh, uh, African-Americans before the Civil War. Yeah. She also worked for many prestigious families who appreciated her care and professionalism. Obviously, she was good at what she did if she was one of four people to graduate from her nursing program. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, she also served as director of the Howard Orphan Asylum for Black Children in Long Island. New York for a year, starting in 1911. Interesting. She was known for treating her patients like family and even cooking for the people that she cared for. Aww. Uh, she was a deeply religious person and devoted herself to her work and never married. Um, wow. Life as a private duty nurse was not always comfortable. At the time, clients expected these nurses to work 24 hours a day for the duration of their employment. Oof. They had to stay quiet so they wouldn't disturb the patient or the family. They had to be cheerful and never disagree with a client. Private duty nurses depended on referrals for future work, so they had to keep every patient, family, and doctor happy. Mm. If a private duty nurse had experience and a good reputation, she could be selective about her work and take time off when needed. Otherwise, a nurse literally had to take every job that came along in order to make a living wage. Why is it that these are the professions we make people work until they can't see straight and also for no money? Mm. Why do we do that? I don't know. Even then. That's uh, that's so fucking baffling. Over the years, Mahoney developed a successful career through content patience. Quote, I used to hear her praises sung everywhere around Boston and its suburbs, said Sarah Beatty of the New England Hospital for Women and Children. Because, of course, Sarah could get a job there. <laughs> Presumably because she was white. Uh, because uh. there was nowhere else to review a nurse, clients left comments with the nurse's directory. Some of the reviews of uh, Mary Eliza Mahoney include, quote, no faults noticed, quote, excellent nurse, and, quote, good temper, discretion, and loyalty, which were well tested in the case of a weak, nervous, self-indulgent invalid. <laughs> uh, okay. So clearly this woman was insanely patient uh-huh uh-huh wherever she went mary left people impressed with her skills caring attention and professionalism which duh shocker isn't that what we've been saying this whole month is that you have to be a million times better than your white counterpart yes in order to even be considered like equal yes so this just further proves this especially if you're the first of your kind yeah i mean yeah i feel like one outburst or one wrongly worded whatever, and mm-hmm. and it would have been held against her doubly what it would have been at least someone doubly. else. That's at best. Yeah. Mm. Which is just fucked. Though Mary was devoted to nursing, she was also, and this is what makes her my favorite, insanely dedicated to blazing a trail for future nurses and women. Uh-oh. Throughout her career... She sought to remove the barriers of gender and race in her profession. Because of her success and inspiration, other African-American women made their way into nursing. By 1899, five other black women had graduated from the program at the New England Hospital for Women and Children. Mm. That's like less than 20 years after she graduated. (sighs) Um, How many, you said? Five. Five. 
Uh, Mahoney wow. also believed in the cause of suffrage and was one of the first women to register to vote in Boston after women earned the right through the 19th Amendment. Even after rights were guaranteed by constitutional amendment, Mahoney knew the fight for equality was far from over. She was instrumental in building the NACGN, which sought equality in the profession. She gave the welcome address in 1909 at the organization's convention and served as its national chaplain. She recruited nurses to join the group and advocated for quality education for black nurses. In 1910, there were about 2,400 African-American nurses. That number, 2,400 in 1910, that number more than doubled within 20 years. Whoa. Because of her hard work and leadership, many other black nurses found success in the profession of nursing. Damn. Founded in 1908, the group was organized to advance the cause of black nurses. Other nursing organizations existed at the time, though none campaigned to improve racial representation specifically within its numbers. Because they would have had no reason to. Right. At the time, membership in the American Nurses Association was predominantly white. Not yeah. surprising. In 1896, the Nurses Associated Alumni of the United States and Canada, later to become the ANA, admitted Mahoney as a member, so occasionally it allowed black nurses to join its membership. Occasionally. Oh. When it was organized, the NACGN's ultimate goals were to achieve higher professional standards, to break down discriminatory practices facing black nurses, and to develop leadership among black nurses. At the first convention in 1909, uh, Mary personally invited nurses, 26 attended. By 1918, uh, the organization established a temporary headquarters and a permanent base um, followed in 1934. Uh, this organization grew, hired staff, spent the next decades focused on increasing the number of black nurses and ending discrimination within the profession. Over the years, it got closer and closer to that goal. This is all because of her. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like this was really important to her. Yeah. Like beyond just obviously being a nurse. It's her legacy. Yeah. She realized <laughs> like if if somebody like her didn't campaign for it, then it wouldn't get done with the same right. vigor that, you know, she put into it. I think that's awesome. At a convention in 1949, the group's membership voted unanimously for the ANA to take over the functions of the NACGN, including the program for total integration of black nurses. So these two organizations, the one that oh. occasionally allowed black people into uh -huh. its ranks, is now integrating literally with this other organization that was focused on okay on like furthering the causes of African American nurses. All right. Um, then in 1951, the members of the NACGN voted to dissolve the organization. God damn it. <laughs> well, the NACGN is the, the black group. Right. Right. Um, oh, so it was like a good thing. Yeah. Okay. They were like, all right, we can just be one thing now. Yeah. I can. I got it. Uh, so Mary Eliza Mahoney died January 4th, 1926, after battling breast cancer for three years. Oh, no. She's buried in Woodlawn Cemetery in Everett, Massachusetts. Her headstone recognizes her life's achievements, stating simply, the first professional Negro nurse in the United States. Wow. Um, her legacy lives on. There is a nursing award for people of any color. Really? Called the Mary Mahoney Award. I didn't know there were nursing awards. Uh-huh. Um, it was established 10 years after she died, and the group gives it to women who work toward racial integration in nursing, at least did at the outset. Um, when the NACGN merged with the ANA in 1951, the ANA decided to continue to give this award to nurses who make contributions to advance equal opportunities for minorities in nursing. That's fucking fabulous. Right. There's a monument. Um, the, uh, apparently there's a sorority called Chi Eta Phi 
the National Sorority of Registered Professional Nurses and Nursing Students, uh, which okay. I didn't know. Um, and they built a memorial to her in 1973 at her gravesite. Um, she was inducted into the Nursing Hall of Fame in 1976. I didn't know that existed. I, I, yeah. The, <laughs> There's I mean, apparently also a National Women's Hall of Fame, which I didn't know existed. Huh? And she was inducted into that Hall of Fame in 93. What the fuck? Right? <laughs> I mean, and we've been doing awesome. this podcast for a year now. And how do we not know? Ugh, I mean, that just kind of makes you think about how important that is to people or, right. or not. But I love that. I, j- I love that that's a thing. And she is now in it. Yeah. In 2006, the U.S. House of Representatives pass, uh, passed House Concurrent Resolution 386, honoring Mary Eliza Mahoney, America's first professionally trained African-American nurse. In addition to honoring her, the resolution advocated for more women of color to enter nursing. When was this? Uh, 2006. My God, 2006? Hello. There's a Mary Mahoney Memorial Health Center in Oklahoma City. Uh, There's a Mary Mahoney Lecture Series at Indiana University. Um, All right. And there's a Mary Eliza Mahoney Dialysis Center, which is also a stop on the Boston Women's Heritage Trail. Oh. So all this to say, the nursing profession continues to honor her legacy nearly 100 years after her death like she died in 1926 that's almost 100 years ago now yeah there is a lot of value or they see a lot of value in in her history and her work and her work in her like striving to advance opportunities for women as a whole but minority women specifically yeah um she was a pioneer in nursing dedicated her entire life to her work which is insane and advancing the cause of black women in the nursing profession. Um, obviously, her work is not necessarily complete. There will always be a need for more pioneers like her, people daring enough to be the first at something and pave the way for others to follow. Yeah. Mary Eliza Mahoney, the first black nurse in U.S. history. Wow. It, 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 I mean, she was amazing, but it never even occurred to me that that would be somebody we'd have to talk about, mm-hmm. like the first black nurse. Mm-hmm. But of course we have to talk about her. Mm-hmm. And she <laughs> beat out a lot of people for her position and proved that she deserved it over <laughs> a lot of people. I mean, being able to work, what, 16-hour days, you said? Seven days a week. Seven days a week. And just be like, yeah. For this, 16 months. Like, this is probably Can you imagine something... working 16-hour days every single day for a year and a half? No. I can't, and I don't want to. I'm complaining about my 13-hour work days, five days a week right now, with intermittent, because I had to do work emails this morning and send out appointments and shit. Yeah. But, but like, that pales in comparison to 16-hour days, seven days a week for a year and a half straight. Man, that's Holy dedication. Shit. And to not, I mean, she never married, you she said. She never married. She never had kids. So that was her life, was, like, her being life's a nurse. Her life's work. And, and. Was yeah. taking care of other people. And like furthering how... that cause. Yes. Which I love. That's awesome. Dude. Your brain. I love it. Thank you. Her brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you thought of her. Or I guess. I did. I thought to talk about her. Yeah. But I'm, I hope I'm that glad. people take from her existence what I took from it. What did you take from it? <sighs> that, you know. It's so much respect for people who choose to sacrifice so much of their life to, to 
become a martyr for a cause, basically. And I know that she probably didn't even think of it that way. Right. But it, it was but at it a was time. her life's passion. Yeah. But oh my God, her whole life was this. And, and it it's was, so easy and understandable for people to want to have work-life balance, to have families, to to do all these other things. And she dedicated herself to one goal. And that's just, it's admirable. And and she left a legacy with a, a lasting mark, you know? Yeah. yeah. Which is, you know, something I don't think I will ever do. <laughs> Well, I'll do I'll do what I can, but not like her. She did it at a time when it wasn't done. Yeah. So, I mean, of course, that makes what she did important. And also it's why we're talking about her right now. Yeah. But there are lots of people who who do the work that she did and are doing the work that she did that we will never know about and will never talk about. And I think they're making their mark you know, in different ways. Yeah. And I'm sure you will too. Thanks. <laughs> um, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Happy end of Black History Month. Yeah. I feel like we covered some really awesome people this month. I do too. Yeah. Because last year we weren't as aware of, of Heritage Month. That wasn't like a thing. Like that's a specific focus that we like to do on this podcast. We in took particular. it on like a couple I, months in, yeah. really, I think. Yeah. We started paying attention so to Heritage our, Month. this is our first intentional Black History, Black History Month. Month specific. Yeah. You know, pioneers and trailblazers. Like yeah. black women who did and continue to do badass shit. Dude. Dude. Dude, I like it. Yeah. Let's do some on this day. Tell me. I don't know why I had to sing it. So this episode drops on February 27th. Woo-hoo. And so on this day in the year 425. 425? Yep. Okay. Um, <laughs> the University of Constantinople is founded by Emperor Theodosius II at the urging of his wife, Aelia Eudocia. Oh, that's the only reason I kept it in. It's it's like one of the first universities ever. And it was founded because of his wife. The wife was like, yo, dude, you got to do this. And he was like, "Ugh, fine wife. He's like, sure, you make a good point. And I'm going to be the one credited with it because I'm the emperor. Of course. (laughs) 1782, February 27th, uh, the House of Commons in Great Britain votes against further war in America. Okay. So that's a revolutionary war. That's that. Situation. America's America. Yep. Okay. Uh, 1860. Abraham Lincoln makes a speech at Cooper Union in the city of New York that is largely responsible for his election to the presidency. Yes, it is. February 27th, 1900. The British Labor Party is founded. Oh. Which they fight for, you know, unions and workers' rights and stuff. I think. 1922, challenge to the 19th Amendment in the United States, allowing women the right to vote. It's rebuffed by the Supreme Court in Lesser versus Garnett. Really? Uh-huh. I so, don't know why I'm surprised. So in 1920, they're like, no, I don't want them to vote, though. Women's <laughs> brains are tiny. They can't vote. Yep. February 27th, 1933, Germany's parliament building in Berlin, the Reichstag, is set on fire. Marinus van der Lubbe, <laughs> a young Dutch communist, claims responsibility. 
The Nazis used this fire to solidify their power and eliminate the communists as political rivals. Bring that up. Oh. Because both <laughs> sides on the left and right are very mad and acting out. Oh, my God. So let us not repeat this kind of shit. Yeah. Don't do dumb shit that makes fascists get power. Yeah. Okay. 1951, 22nd Amendment to the United States Constitution is ratified, limiting presidents to two terms. That was in response to uh, FDR, yeah? Yeah, because he had four. Yeah. He was, like, just going to be president forever. And they were like, maybe we should have a new one? Maybe. Maybe. I feel I mean, like he was a pretty great game. president. No, I agree. I think <laughs> I, I But I, I think that it was a smart move. Um, <laughs> well, in, especially given our current predicament. Well, hopefully he's a one term president. Oh uh, yeah. Births. Nineteen thirty two, Elizabeth Taylor. Oh. Happy birthday, Elizabeth Taylor. She's dead now. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> uh happy birthday, uh Timothy Spall. Who played uh, Peter Pettigrew in the Harry Potter movies, <laughs> among other things? Yes, yes. Uh, and also, happy birthday, Chelsea Clinton. Oh, happy birthday, Chelsea Born Clinton! Born in 1980 on this day. All right, so 1980. She's, she is what? 39. Yes, ma'am. Oh my God, she's almost 40. Chelsea Clinton is. She was a kid in the 90s. That makes she sense. She was a kid. That's how time works. Yes, that's how time works. Hannah, what are you excited about? <laughs> Well, speaking of how time works, um, we are about on our one-year anniversary. Tomorrow is our one-year anniversary. Of the very first episode. Yep. Of this podcast. Yep. Getting dropped. <laughs> That's right. <gasps> um, but yeah, it was February 28th of 2018 that we dropped our episode about Queenie mm-hmm. in uh, New York. She was a racketeer and... You know, Stephanie St. Clair. Stephanie St. Clair. Yes. Yes, ma'am. And there's another big milestone to this episode. I just realized it. What's that? It's our 50th episode. Is it? Yeah. Oh, it's our 50th episode, Ben says. We've only taken two weeks off in this past year. Yeah, man. We've done really well. So it's our one year anniversary and we have uh, 50 episodes under our That's belt. so many. I know. That's 50 women that we've talked about. And we are nowhere near done. I mean, there's definitely <laughs> more than 50 women in the history of the world. It's so. like my mother, when we first started this podcast, she was like, are you going to have enough ladies to talk about? And I was like, oh, uh, yeah. It's literally an endless <laughs> <laughs> the list just grows. It never it never goes down. No, there are still people on my list that I've had since day one. Jump. Yes. That oh, I just still haven't gotten to. Yeah. So. Uh, me too. And I don't know I don't know when we will, but I'll have to because they're fucking amazing. There's so many. There's just so fucking many. Uh so yeah. I'm just excited Yay! about our achievement. <laughs> Let's give ourselves pat on the back, back. yeah and a yep. round of applause okay round oh god microphone i mean sticking to to this has been i won't say it's hard it's it's not hard at all <laughs> the time but, the time but it's a time invested yeah. is like it is it is an investment in time however it is um a, a time investment i think we're both willing to make because our daily lives are stressful and complicated i mean like ha- sometimes i'm like fuck i gotta do my notes yeah but but then I do them, and then I'm happy to just be sitting here with you guys and yeah. doing this. 
Agreed. Yeah. So, um, cheers to us, my friend. Well done. Uh oh. That was a clank. If you couldn't hear it, I think you probably could. It's between <laughs> our two mics. And uh, I think that I think that kind of concludes our our episode. Happy one year anniversary, Hannah. Happy one year anniversary. Oh, hi, and, Chester. You know, go find us on all the social media and stuff, and all of our all of our handle. Uh, information is in our outro so listen to that if you want to know where to find us gwbb podcast at everything go to our outro to find all of our information and uh in the meantime peace out witches goodbye farewell wait that's not how that goes (laughs) i want to sing the song from great mouse detective okay do it i don't remember it though oh damn it so long farewell i don't know bye (laughs) bye we meet again yes Wait, hold on. That's that sound of music, yeah. No. <laughs> yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No, Alveeders and goodbye. That's the tune, but no, until we meet again is from Great Mouse Detective. Thank you for listening to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Good Witches, Bad Bitches is hosted by Deanna Greif. Me. You. And you. (laughs) Hannah Ferguson. And we're produced by Benjamin Garst. Um, You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Google Play. Google Play. Pretty much anywhere you listen to your podcasts, you can find us there. We're also on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, GWBB Podcast. You can also email us at gwbbpodcast at gmail.com. We love to receive emails. If you have a story about a woman in your life that you want to hear on air, uh, shoot it over to us. We would love to read it. If you want to help keep us running, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash gwbbpodcast. <laughs> Become a patron and help us you know, pay for our hosting. Yeah, Patreon really helps content creators be able to continue to create their content. And it just kind of helps us break even on the costs of producing this podcast. And it would be really awesome if you wanted to help out. If you like it, you can be a part of it. Also, to help us out, you can rate, review, and subscribe. All of, the, all of those things are extremely helpful for us. They help other listeners find us. Yeah. Word of mouth, also good. Yeah. <laughs> our website is gwbbpodcast.com. You can find all of our episodes there as well as some other things bubbling out of our witchy cauldron. Good Witches, Bad Bitches is powered by Moon Bounce. Moon Bounce.